Trish and the Band, the podcast. Thanks for joining me for another week of stories. I'm coming to you from Southern Utah, where it is cold and rainy and windy. I hopefully have the settings correct so that you won't hear all of the background noise. Um, Obviously, my little van studio isn't super professional. I'm recording from my bed, Um, but... It's kind of noisy tonight. The heater's kicked on. Uh, The wind is catching on the van and making a loud noise. The drizzle is on and off. Um, But that's van life for you. So we're just going to roll with it. I thought about waiting till tomorrow, but um, I'm ready to record now. So here we go. Um, It's been a crazy week. I did kind of a quick trip from Arizona all the way back up to Salt Lake City like a 12-hour drive. I split it up into a couple days, but um, it was a lot of driving. And I don't know if you know this, but I actually don't like driving, which when I tell people that, they go, but you live in a van. And yes, I do live in a van, but I don't live in a van because I like to drive. I live in a van because I like to be in cool places. So I like to keep the driving to a minimum And this last week, I feel like all I did was drive. So I'm kind of holding in southern Utah for the next couple of weeks, and then I'll finally be able to take off again. Um, But it is not as warm here as it was in Arizona, and I'm missing the warmth and the sun. So we're going to take you back for this week's stories. I left off telling you about Christmas 2018, so we're wrapping up the year of 2018 in this story. I was on the road again making my way through Virginia, and I was stopping over at Shenandoah National Park. Now, during December of 2018, the government had shut down, and that meant that the parks were unstaffed. And I don't know if you remember back to this time, but there were were a lot of issues around this because the parks were still open. They didn't ever just like close. People could still go in, but you didn't have to pay to go in. Um, there was no maintenance happening. So um, garbage cans weren't being emptied. There was no, there were no rangers there to make sure that people followed the rules. And uh, there were parks like especially Joshua Tree National Park in California that got hit really hard with vandalism and people just taking advantage of these spaces and no rules being enforced. But while I was in Virginia, I really wanted to stop at this park. And this was kind of before it had escalated and I didn't really see a problem with going to the park. I had an annual parks pass, so I had already paid my entrance fee But I go into the park and I'm ready to explore. Typically when I would go to a national park, I would stop at one of the park buildings and talk to a ranger. I love to go in and talk to the rangers because I get to know the lowdown on exactly what dogs can and cannot do at the park. And they usually have great tips for if a park isn't dog friendly, different ways that I could exercise my dog nearby, or sometimes there are certain roads that don't have much traffic, which are great for taking the dogs on. They have just really good advice about trails that you should go check out. Maybe some that are not as popular as the ones you're going to find on the internet. So I typically start there talking to a ranger. But here there were no rangers. There were also no park brochures or maps. And I get into the park and I immediately lose a cell signal. 
So I don't have really any idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. I had looked into it a little bit before I went and I remembered a couple of the names of the trails that I had wanted to go to. But it was really kind of a jumble in my head of like which ones I had seen that I knew I wanted to go to and which ones I had looked at that weren't going to be great. There are a few trails in the park that are dog friendly and I couldn't really remember which ones they were. So I went to one trail and it was part of the Appalachian Trail. I was kind of low-key obsessed with the idea of doing a through hike. So just setting foot on this trail where so many people had walked before me and on this crazy journey for a couple thousand miles, uh, I it was kind of magical for me to set foot on the trail and imagine, you know, maybe someday I could do this through hike too. So I did a little hike on a small section of the AT and it was like the, probably the most boring section ever. Um, but it, it was still magical to me to think about what it would be like to be at this point in your hike and be out here for months on end. So I did a little bit of that with Dakota and then there was a waterfall that I really wanted to see as well. And I remembered the name of it. I had driven past where the trailhead was. So I stopped there and uh, I thought that this one was dog friendly. So I get Dakota out of the van and we're walking through the parking lot. And there's a bunch of other people there too. And I go to step onto the trail and there's a sign that says no dogs allowed. So no problem. I got it mixed up. I went back, put Dakota back in the van. And then I start hiking on the trail. And as I'm hiking, I'm catching up to some people ahead of me who had seen me in the parking lot with Dakota and now saw me without her. And there was one person that I saw who was like, oh, where'd your dog go? And I'm like, oh, actually, turns out dogs aren't allowed on this trail. They're like, oh, we wouldn't have told on you. And I know they were just being nice, but that was exactly the problem that was going on in all of these parks at this time where there was no one to enforce rules or keep anyone in check. And as much as I would love to have Dakota on the trail with me, uh, I'm a really big rule follower. So that was never going to be an option for me. I made it to the waterfall at the end and turned around and headed back so I could join Dakota again. And on the way back, I saw a group hiking in with their dog. So like I said, it was kind of a free-for-all in these parks during this time. After Shenandoah, I went to Virginia Beach. This would be Dakota's first time at the ocean, and I was pretty excited to see how she did on the beach. She had been to lakes many times, but this would be her first time in the ocean. We get to Virginia Beach, and we put the van in some random parking lot. It felt kind of scary to leave the van there, lots of people walking through it, and I'm getting ready to leave the van. Then I'm petting Dakota and I realize like at the bottom of her ear, there's a bump. And so I take a closer look and I see that it is a tick. Now I had put her on flea and tick preventive before I left in the van. I had talked to my vet about living in a van. Obviously she helped me work through Dakota's fear of the van. And before I had left, she said, it's probably a good idea to have her on this She hadn't been on one in Utah because in Utah, we don't really have fleas and ticks, luckily. But in other places in the country, we do. So she had been on a flea and tick preventive, but I found one on her ear and I pull it out. I put it in a plastic baggie and then I call the closest vet because I have no idea what to do. 
So I call them. I'm like, I just found a tick on my dog's head. Like, do I need to bring her in? Like, I'm the crazy dog mom. And they're like, well, is she on medication? I'm like, yep. And they're like, well, then you don't have to. She's fine. She's like protected against all tick stuff. But now I'm like searching my dog's body to make sure that that's the only one. I'm all freaked out. Like have the heebie-jeebies because it's like in my van and she's been on my bed. And um, luckily there was just the one and that was it. It was time for us to go to the beach. So I take Dakota to the beach. I'm so excited to show her the ocean. And I get my phone out and I like start a video. We're like walking down to the waves. Dakota's all curious. We get down and she starts walking towards the waves, but the water had just gone out and a wave was coming in and she's like sniffing towards the water. And as the wave comes crashing in, she freaks out because it's like loud and it's coming at her. And I'm expecting her to like jump into the water. Like I've seen other dogs do, but no, my dog turns around and runs back up the beach as I'm like trying to take this video of her. She's terrified of getting wet from this water. And so nearly pulls me down. Meanwhile, there's a couple sitting next to me watching this whole thing go down and I am laughing so hard. I had no idea Dakota would be afraid of the ocean, but uh, she is very much afraid of the ocean. And when Dakota's afraid of something, as you've heard, it's hard to get her to change her mind about it. So she wanted nothing to do with the water. I wanted her to try it one more time. She was over it. But we took a nice long walk on the beach away from the water and it was nice to be near the ocean again, a nice little change from where I had been um, at Shenandoah. So we were enjoying a little change of scenery. After our time on the beach, I went back to the van and when I started my journey, I was keeping a journal. I was trying to keep a blog and a journal and it was a lot because uh, <laughs> I am a long-winded storyteller. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm also the same when I journal. So I would write these extensive journal entries, pouring my heart and soul out, recounting everything I did and what I was going through at the time. And so I had fallen behind on it quite a bit. But when I was going through it, I was tracking each day in the van. And for some reason, I decided to get it out and write something down. I wanted to see how many days I had been in the van at this point. So I go back and I count them up from where I had left off and I realized it was exactly 100 days. So I needed to celebrate this big milestone. Up until that day, I had never stopped at a brewery or a coffee shop or anything. You've heard the stories of me getting started without a job or with one that would barely cover the cost of a cup of coffee. So I was really, really careful with my expenses. And I love craft beers. I love cool breweries. And when I started on the road, I knew I couldn't get into the habit of stopping at every town and finding a new brewery and trying a new beer. So I cut that out of my life. But the 100th day on the road seemed like a pretty good day to treat myself to a beer. So I found a brewery up the road that allowed dogs inside, and that was where we were headed. I get to this brewery, and I sit at the bar at the very corner so that Dakota's kind of tucked away from the chaos of the bar. And I sit down next to this couple, and as I do, 
I just end up talking to them and telling them a little bit about my story. I told them, you know, it was my hundredth day of living on the road by myself. And so I was there to treat myself to a beer. And so we swapped stories. We talked for a little while and then it was time for them to go. And I had already picked out where I was going to spend the night. There was like a cracker barrel up the road a little ways. So I was going to just stop for one beer, call it good, hit the road. So I finished my beer and all of a sudden the bartender sits down another one and she goes, that couple that was sitting next to you bought you a beer. Like, wow, that was so nice. How in the world am I going to drive after this? Because these beers were kind of strong. So I'm like, well, I'll just have to kind of nurse this one and uh, give it some time and drink some water and then I'll be good to go. So I'm nursing this beer and talking to people around and just enjoying the change of scenery and the treat of being at a brewery. Well, the bartender was very pregnant and it was her last day of work. And so all of the other bartenders and all of the regulars at this bar come in to buy one last beer from this bartender. And again, I'm sitting at the bar in this tucked away corner, which is apparently where the regulars sit. So all of these people come in and they're kind of crowded around me and Dakota. And one of them's like, oh, have you been here before? You look familiar. I'm like, no, I've never been here. I don't live around here. I actually live in a van. Well, so then I start telling my stories to this group of people. And there's one guy, uh, his name was Chris, and he was like the regular at this bar. And he took to me and my stories right away. He started talking to me, asking me questions. It sounded like he was um, sort of famous around there, that he had a beer named after him, and he'd often help out around the bar in exchange for free beers. So Chris and I start talking, and I finish my beer, and then all of a sudden another one shows up in front of me, courtesy of somebody else. Now I'm like, well, this is not going to go well because I I do have to drive home. I need to eat dinner. Like, where am I going to go? And as I'm telling Chris this, I'm like, I'm supposed to go drive. I am starving. I need to eat some food. He's like, well, where are you parked right now? I'm like, I'm parked out front. He's like, well, there's a lot behind here. People sleep there all the time. You'd be fine to just park back there and spend the night. So I move the van back there and now I don't have to drive anywhere else, which means that I can stay and have as much fun as I want. And I had quite a few drinks. Um, All of a sudden, I realized that there are only three of us left in the bar and they're closing the bar for the night. I have now closed down the bar, which would be fine, except that I worked overnight. So I close down the bar, I stumble myself back to the van, I chug as much water as I can, and I have to get up in like three hours for a full morning of work. So I did just that. I slept for about three hours and I get up and I am not feeling well. I don't do this often, uh, seeing that I'm no longer in college. And I felt so awful and was reminded very quickly why I don't do that very often. Uh, I sit down for my first class and I remember like, I don't have a mirror in the van. So I like was basically, I think I just like put on a sweatshirt and sit down and then I start the computer and the camera turns on and this is the first time that I have seen 
my appearance and I looked as awful as I felt <laughs> and I survived barely and then I I think I took myself to the gym to take a shower and then I slept and ate the rest of the day to try and cure my hangover but as I had been talking to Chris that night he said you know you should come back another night if you're going to be here I'm going to be back here tomorrow night I've got something I want to bring you so I come back again the next night feeling not as good as the day before. Chris had obviously taken to my story and he was very concerned for my safety. So when I show up at the brewery the next day, he presents me with two very kind and thoughtful gifts. The first one was a stun gun for me. To protect me. And the second was a contraption thing that he had made. It was like a motion sensor, uh, sort of alarm thing. I think I remember it being where, like, you could attach a magnet to the back and then stick it to the side of the van on the outside. And then if somebody walked close to the van, it would make a loud, like, buzzing sound. Um, I did not end up using that, but it was very sweet of him to have gone to the lengths that he did to provide me with these things. The next night was very low-key. I think I drank a half of a beer. Um, I also believe I was working that evening, so I had to be good, and I don't think I had the capacity to be anything other than good after the rough hangover I had survived that day. There was only one more day until New Year's Eve, and this was the next holiday that I was kind of dreading. I had survived Christmas, but New Year's Eve was going to be a really hard one for me. Chris and another guy that was at the brewery had invited me to stay and to come to a party with them, and as much as I wanted to, I still wasn't really comfortable with leaving Dakota for a long period of time, and knew that it was going to be a hard night for me and kind of knew that I probably just needed to be away and alone and like really trying to do some self-care. But since I was in Virginia, there weren't a lot of places where I could go like be in a cool camping area. I ended up finding one that was just inside of the North Carolina border. It was a state park, I'm pretty sure. And it was going to be, I think, the first time that I had ever paid for camping since I had hit the road. I had been camping for free, obviously spending a lot of time in like weird parking lots and um, not getting a whole lot of like the camp kind of camping that I do now because there just isn't as much of that on the East Coast. But I refused to spend New Year's Eve in a Walmart parking lot. Ringing in the new year at Walmart just wasn't going to sit well with me. So I splurged on a campsite and I get there and I was surprised to find that there were quite a few other people in this little camping area. I find a spot, pull the van in, and it felt really nice to be in a campsite. It had been a long time since I had actually been in like a legitimate campsite my ex-boyfriend and I had done so much camping together in spaces like that that were paid campsites with a picnic table and a fire ring. So this felt very reminiscent of that, which was hard. So the New Year's Eve prior to this, so 
um, in 2017, I had spent New Year's Eve with the ex that had gotten me into the band. We were in Escalante, Utah, and went camping for New Year's Eve like we typically did for every weekend. And it was super cold. We toughed out the frigid temperatures even in southern Utah and had just a really, really nice New Year's Eve. I remember that was a moment where I'm like, okay, things are going really well because we had had such a rocky relationship. That was sort of a point where things were feeling really solid between us. The wavering back and forth that had been there when we started dating uh, were no more. And we had spent a lot of time talking about the year and reflecting and um, how thankful we were to have each other. So now fast forward a year and he had turned my life upside down, obviously in the best way ever eventually. But at that point, I was still carrying so much hurt and sadness. And now I'm alone doing the thing that we used to do. So I was trying to do everything I could to make myself happy in that space and going through the things that I loved doing the most. So I decided I was going to take a break from sleeping in the van and sleep outside of the van for a night because that's really what I loved doing. So I got my hammock out and I hung my hammock up and I hung my tarp over it. And that's how my ex-boyfriend and I always used to camp together. This would be the first night that I had slept in my hammock alone without him. And it was really warm that night. I remember that was why I had decided to sleep outside of the van, but it was so humid. There was a point where I went to like get something from the van and I had my headlamp on and I could barely see in front of me because of the moisture in the air. I also had like a cereal box and I think like a box of wine and the cardboard almost just like melted because of the moisture. It was like just brutally humid. But I was ready to spend the night in the hammock. I spent a lot of time crying and like processing. I took Dakota for a walk. And as I walked around the campground, it was just so many couples and families out camping for New Year's. I was the only person camping there by myself. So the loneliness was hitting so hard. I crawl into the hammock to go to bed with Dakota. She had gotten in the habit prior to van life when I was camping a lot that she would sleep in my hammock with me, Um, which is not the most comfortable, but I love having her so close. So I get her to sleep on top of me in the hammock and I settle in. I'm ready to pass out. We didn't stay up till midnight, but I'm ready to call it a night and to turn the page on such a hard, hard year. Ready to wake up to 2019, which is just bound to be better. Um, Little did I know what I had in store in 2019, but I was ready to end the year. So I immediately fall asleep. Dakota snuggled on top of me. And I think about an hour later, I wake to Dakota jumping out of the hammock and running to the van and sitting outside the van door, waiting to be let inside. And so I had a moment of thinking like, do I let her in? 
and go back to the hammock. And that way I can still sleep in the hammock, but then I'm sleeping alone. Or do I give up on the hammock and spend this tough night at least sleeping next to my dog? Um, You know, I had reflected a lot that night on the things that we had been through. And I also that night had written my blog post about her being so sick when we were in Arkansas. So like the pain of nearly losing my dog was very fresh. And so I just knew I couldn't sleep without her. So I ditched the hammock, went back in the van and spent the night in there, even though I had set up everything to camp. I woke up the next morning and decided I was going to cook breakfast outside. When I built the van, I made the build decision to just have like a Coleman camp stove as my stove. A lot of people, when they build a van, they build a a countertop like built-in stove with their burners so that they don't have to move it a bunch. But I decided that if I had a removable camp stove that I could cook outside. And I had been on the road a couple months now and had never cooked outside yet. So I had all the fixings to make a big pancake breakfast to start off the year. I take my camp stove outside and (laughs) I very quickly learned that it is kind of a nightmare to cook outside because all of your ingredients are inside. Like when I would car camp, it was easy because you just had a cooler and like a bag and then everything was there with you. When you live in a van, uh, you make 1,000 trips back and forth because you forgot the spices you needed or, oh, no, I forgot the spatula or, oh, no, the eggs are still in the fridge. So it ended up being way more work than I wanted it to be. But I enjoyed eating breakfast outside in the hammock while the sun was coming up, ready to start the new year. But it wasn't without a little heartbreak. I heard from my ex-boyfriend that morning uh, wishing each other a happy new year and trying to be a big person and wishing him happiness and whatever it was that he was looking for um, in the next year. But then it was really hard to hear from him and have him tell me how broken he still was. And oh, there was just so much pain during that time. But I enjoyed my little camping adventure and trying to make the most of having that holiday alone. But it was nice to wake up on New Year's Day and know that I had survived another tough holiday by myself. So we're going to leave it at that. From there, I'm getting ready to pay a visit to some wonderful people in North Carolina. But I will save those stories for next time. I want to once again thank my patrons for supporting me and making this podcast possible. If you would like to become a patron, you can find the link to that in the show notes below. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Adventures from the Van or find all of these stories and the pictures to go with them on my blog at adventuresfromthevan.com. Feel free to send me an email if you'd like. My email is jenny at adventuresfromthevan.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Yeah.